Hey, good morning, church. My name is Ben Seaman, and I serve on staff here at Rockham Christian Church as our lead minister. We're so excited that you're joining us today, whether you're watching from our Facebook platform or our newly YouTube uh, platform that we're streaming live today. We're so glad that you're here. Before we jump into our text and our topic today, I want to share a few things that are happening in the life of our church. Through your uh, relational generosity, we had roughly about 450 people tune in on Facebook and YouTube to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. Man, that is awesome. I know we can't clap because everyone's in their different homes, but if you could give us a bunch of hearts or likes on the video, that would be great. Even share it as well so that others can join you as well. Hey, um, what's coming up in the life of our church is we're going to end uh, our series on 1 Peter next Sunday. Uh, so we only have two weeks left of 1 Peter. After we finish 1 Peter, we're going to do a series called Feed Yourself, right? I know I'm hungry just thinking about it. And it's going to be a six-week series on the Bible. Um, what is the Bible? How did the Bible become the Bible? How do I read it? How do I hear God's voice from it? How do I digest it? How do I consume it? And how does it help me in my journey with Jesus, which is what we're all about here at RCC, inviting people to journey with Jesus. Now, over the next couple of days and weeks, we're going to offer different ways for you to stay engaged with us uh, for the Feed Yourself series. But there is one uh, way that you can engage with us, and I want to announce it now uh, to, to give our church a bit of a heads up. Uh, we want to encourage you to jump on Amazon. You can do that now or after our service and purchase the book, Core 52. Uh, it's written by my New Testament professor when I was in college. Uh, his name is uh, Mark Moore. And he wrote a phenomenal devotional booklet called Core 52, devotion book. And it really highlights the overarching message of the Bible. Here's why we want you to purchase that book. Simply because when we start this series, we're going to have daily devotions on our Facebook Live platform uh, through the book Core 52. And each chapter is about a week's worth of content for you if you bought the book. And so what we'll do as staff is take one chapter a day, kind of get ahead of the curve a little bit, but take uh, one chapter a day and talk about uh, what God has for us that morning. And we'll stream those every, mon uh, every morning at 8 a.m. So again, encourage you to purchase the book Core 52 written by Mark Moore as we get ready to engage in a new series on what is the Bible? How do I consume it? How do I read it? How do I digest it? And how do I hear from God and how do I know it's God when I'm reading the Bible? So we're really excited for that series coming up in the next two weeks. Uh, today, we're going to continue our series in 1 Peter. And as you probably know by now, if you've been tuning in, 1 Peter was written to an audience much like ours, completely scattered throughout Rome. They weren't back home in Jerusalem. Although we're not you know, necessarily scattered throughout the Granite State, we are, and we, we are home, we, we have a sense of home being thrown out the window and a rhythm and a lot of things that we used to enjoy are now closed. How, how many of you, let me start by asking this question, how many of you have thought to yourself or asked out loud, right, um, what in the world is going on? This is not 
life according to how I planned it right now, uh, April of 2020? How many of you, I'm just, I'm just curious, give me a thumbs up in the comment section, a, a thumbs up emoji. For a lot of us, uh, life is not going according to plan, right? For some of us, we didn't plan to be in the house 24-7 uh, this time. You know, three months ago, we didn't think we'd be in the house 24-7. We probably didn't plan on spending our, uh, endless hours on Zoom calls. And maybe for some of us, <clears throat> we probably didn't plan on getting addicted to the show Tiger King. Uh, if you know Tiger King, then you know what I'm talking about. If you've never heard of the phrase or the movie, don't worry about it. We'll just keep going on. Many of us have had plans just sort of thrown out the window. Next month, my brother Nathan and I were supposed to fly back home to Ohio to officiate uh, my cousin's wedding. Those plans have changed. This July, my wife Crystal and I are uh, planning on celebrating our 10-year anniversary this fall, we had made plans to visit Ireland for two weeks. Well, those plans have changed. And I too have asked, what in the world is going on? Why is this happening? Let me ask you a question to think about, and we'll throw it up on the screen for you to consider. Here's the question, friends. What are you going through that you never asked for or never wanted? What is something that you're going through right now that you never asked for and never even wanted? Maybe for you, it's this pandemic that we're going through right now. Maybe it's going through the pandemic as a single parent. Maybe it's being stuck in a home with somebody that you're going to divorce eventually, but you need the ban to lift. And so there's a lot of tension right now <clears throat> in your home. Uh, maybe, uh, maybe for you, it's, the, um, it's coming to terms that for the first time in your life, the freedom to choose, our choices have been taken away from us and the things we regularly enjoy, all of that is closed. And so we ask ourselves this question, why do we suffer? What in the world is going on? Like, why me? Why now? We had so many plans that we'd hope to be doing right now. Why in the world do we suffer? That's typically the first question we ask when suffering happens to us, right? And sometimes we suffer as a result of our own decisions, maybe our own poor choices. Sometimes we suffer due to other people's decisions that have affected us. Sometimes we suffer uh, because maybe it was a parent or a spouse who walked out on us. Maybe it was a corrupt financial advisor, or maybe it's one of your own children who is actually just breaking your heart. And we ask the question, why are we suffering? Why me? Why is this happening to me? And that is a good question to ask. It's honestly, it's a necessary question to ask. But I want to ask a different kind of question. Because when I read um, the Gospels and I read the New Testament, really all of the Bible, suffering is pretty much assumed in life. And so you can ask the question, why me? Why am I suffering? And and the really difficult part of asking that question is, what do you do if you never receive that answer in this lifetime, right? And when people ask the question, why do I suffer? Why am I suffering? And that's all they ask. 
often that season of suffering um, can really lead them to walk away from their faith, the church, Jesus, make some poor decisions. But I want to ask a different question this morning. Not why suffering, but how. How do we suffer? When suffering happens, how do we suffer? And what does it look like in our journey with Jesus, right, which is our white hot passion, our mission here at RCC, what does it look like to journey with Jesus and to suffer well in our suffering, but as we are following Jesus? So today in First Peter, for week five, we're going to talk about this idea of having a living hope, even in the midst of our suffering, living hope in our suffering. Here's the big idea that I want to share with you, friends. The big idea is this. If you, if you don't remember anything, remember this. Suffering is for our refining. Suffering is for our refining. Nobody likes it. Nobody wants to do it. No one's going to volunteer as tribute to step up and participate in it. But suffering happens to all of us. It's a guarantee. But Scripture seems to tell us time and time again that suffering is for our refining. There's actually a purpose and there's a way that in which when suffering happens, if we suffer well, which may be strange to hear and maybe strange to even say, that there's something that Jesus is telling us even in the midst of our suffering. And so this is why Peter writes 1 Peter 4, 12 through 19, and I want to read it for us this morning. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that come on you to test you as if something strange uh, were happening to you, but rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or a thief or any other kind of criminal criminal or even a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name for it is, for it is time for judgment to begin in God's household. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And If it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. So let's take some time to sort of unpack this text. So our big idea this morning is this, that suffering is for our refining. And let's talk a little bit about how that refining process works according to to 1 Peter and according to uh, Jesus' disciple, Peter himself. Well, the first way it refines us is simply by this. Uh, Our living hope is maturing us. It's refinement for maturity, right? In verses 12 through 15, he says, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice because you are participating in the sufferings of Christ that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. And then he goes on, if you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed for the spirit of glory and God rests on you if you suffer. It should not be as a murderer or a thief or any kind of criminal, not even a meddler. 
our living hope is actually maturing us. But there's a tension, right, that Peter himself addresses. Renowned uh, psychiatrist and Holocaust survivor Viktor Frankl um, records and and, and recounts his um, horrible, horrendous time suffering in concentration camps uh, with brutal beatings, starvation, and constant fear of the gas chamber. Uh, In his book, Man's Search for Meaning, he writes these words, suffering in and of itself is meaningless. We give our suffering meaning by the way in which we respond to it. Forces beyond your control can take away everything you possess except one thing, your freedom to choose how you will respond to the situation. And I love what he says about suffering. It's going to happen, but it's not the why, it's the how. How are you going to respond in your suffering? And as a pastor and even just as a human being, uh, I'm concerned for our country. I'm concerned for our churches in America. And of course, I'm concerned for our church, RCC. Because if we're only asking, why me? Why is this happening to me? And we're not leaning into Jesus, we do turn to alternative, uh, ulterior methods and modes uh, to get through crisis. Uh, I was listening to a sermon by uh, a former um, pastor I used to work with uh, at my last church, and uh, he was describing just the statistics on how much the rise of alcohol and liquor sales have increased just in the last 30 to 60 days. Liquor sales are up 75% over this time last year. Beer sales are up 66%. Wine sales are up 42%. And online alcohol, get this, online alcohol sales are up 249% over the last month. Why? Well, because maybe for the first time uh, in our recorded history, in our own experience, uh, our idols and our control issues and our insecurities and our fear are being exposed for the very first time. And we don't. We don't know how to suffer well. And we're bogged down by the why question, and we're not really asking the how question. And to be honest with you, this probably doesn't surprise you, Many people don't know how to handle this season at all. And so for many people, they're just, what, as they would say, just I'm trying to cope and do the best that I can. But what does Peter call us Christians to? He calls us to a refining that if we lean into it, will mature us in the process and uh, leave us more mature after this pandemic is over and the bands are lifted. Living hope matures us in two ways. Number one, through healthy expectations, right? Uh, The text says uh, in verse 12, friends, do not be surprised at this fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening. Uh, Peter uses some interesting language here. He's saying that suffering is like a fiery ordeal. So picture someone refining metal, right? There's a lot of heat. It's hot. It's, it's a tough season. Um, nobody wants to step into it. Nobody wants to lean into it. But it's a necessary idea. Uh, it's a necessary thing to burn away all of the 
impurities, right? When I, when I think about this text and I think about this statement, fiery ordeal, I, I quickly go back to Daniel uh, and, his, and his buddies, right, who are, who are walking around thrown into the fire, uh, the, the virus, the fire, and the king sends people to check on them, like, are they still alive? Are they still okay? And one of his officials says, there's another in the fire. There's, there's a fourth person in the fire. And, you know, growing up, I'm like, well, whatever, what is, I don't, who cares? It doesn't matter. But then as I grew and got older and more mature in understanding the scriptures, I saw what God was doing. What a lot of the, uh, theologians say is happening in the book of Daniel is that you're reading about a theophany. And a theophany is basically when God manifests himself to humanity. And so a lot of theologians say that that angel or that fourth character walking around with Daniel and his buddies is actually Jesus himself. And you can even do a study in the Old Testament on this, that there are uh, instances where an angel comes to visit us, humanity, and most theologians believe that that was actually Jesus himself, which is kind of mind-blowing. Now, why do I, you know, why do I throw Daniel out there, and why do I even bring that up? Well, one of the worship songs that we sing here at RCC is a song called Another in the Fire, right? And we sing the chorus, there's another in the fire standing next to me. That is a declaration that though I'm going through a fiery ordeal, we probably wouldn't use that language, even though that there is suffering happening to me right now, the gospel says that God himself through the person of Jesus is walking with us through the fire, Right, refining us, purifying us, taking away all those impurities, all those immaturities away, the stubbornness, the control issues that we have, the idols that we have, all of the safety nets that we had and hid behind before COVID-19, Jesus is uh, unveiling those things to us before our very eyes. And Peter says, don't be surprised by this season of suffering, the season of a fiery ordeal. Just like Jesus was with Daniel in the fiery furnace, so too is Jesus with us during COVID-19. Part of suffering well and coming out more mature is understanding and coming to terms with healthy expectations, that your God has not given up on you, your God has not forgotten you, that your God is actually with you. Secondly, refining maturity is also a shared partnership with Christ, right? Peter tells us that we participate in Christ's sufferings. Now, is, is Peter saying that we, we need to go to the cross and die like Jesus? No, of course not, right? But he's saying that in the midst of this fiery ordeal or through suffering that we're experiencing right now, there's a partnership that is happening. We're sort of linking arms with Jesus himself. And some of the New Testament writers, namely Paul, describes this more in detail. In Romans eight seventeen, Paul says, If we are children, then we are heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share 
in his glory, right? One of the themes of the scriptures and definitely of Paul's writings in the New Testament is that if you want glory, you have to wear the crown of thorns, right? Uh, Peter or Paul in First or Second Timothy uh, describes Jesus in one paragraph as Jesus Christ and then Christ Jesus almost in the next sentence. Why? Because what he's talking about is that before Jesus goes back to heaven, he endures the cross. Before glory comes suffering. There's no, like, there's no way around it. Like to be human is to experience suffering. And we get to decide right now in this season, do we want to be stuck on the why question, although that is an important question, or do we want to focus on the how we are going to suffer and lean in with the God that has been walking with us through this entire pandemic, whether we realize it or not, or maybe whether we've been leaning in on it or not. In 2 Corinthians 1, 5 through 7, Paul says, For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance. Love that phrase. Of the same suffering we suffer. And for our hope for you is firm because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. There's just, um, there's just a, a webbing or an attachment, right? When you do life with other people and you do real ministry with other people, I'm not, I'm not talking about like just attending church on a Sunday or watching a service online. I'm talking about like, you know, really doing ministry in a local context with other people. It really binds you together, right? And Paul is saying, I'm, I'm suffering. I'm doing the work of the ministry that Jesus has called me to. And if, it's, if I suffer, it can also be for your patient endurance. And if you suffer, it can also be for my comfort as well. There's a beautiful partnership that happens when we lock and link arms with Jesus in the midst of our suffering. One person said it this way, Christians are like tea. Their real strength is not drawn out until they get into hot water. J.I. Packer, author and theologian, once wrote, it is often the case, as all the saints know, that the fellowship with the Father and the Son is most vivid and sweet and Christian joy the greatest when the cross is the heaviest. Our living hope is maturing us, friends, through this season. Secondly, our living hope is also refining and is refining our worship. In 1 Peter 4, 16, Peter writes, however, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. Now, Peter is getting personal. Peter in this verse, this sentence says, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed because you bear Jesus's name. The phrase do not be ashamed is um, heartbreaking that Peter would use this because Peter is probably reflecting on the time 
that he publicly followed Jesus in Jesus's ministry when Jesus walked the earth and how Jesus told Peter, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter would get so angry, you know. You know, I love those temperaments and those personalities. Everything's awesome. Everything's amazing. Everything's going to work out. That's Peter. No, Jesus, I'm not going to deny you three times. And yet, we read Luke 22, 56 through 62. A servant girl saw him, talking about Peter, seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, this man was with him, but he, Peter, denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. A little later, someone else saw him and said, you are, you are one of, you are with Jesus, right? And Peter says, man, I am not. He was a little more angry than the NIV leads on here. Peter replied, but about an hour later, another asserted, certainly this fellow Peter was with him for he is a Galilean. I saw this guy with Jesus. Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he's speaking, the rooster crowed, the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Here's some background that, uh, well, let me continue. Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord and had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and Peter wept bitterly. <coughs> A little bit of background as to what's happening. When Peter denies Christ three times, what's happening just across the way, not, not far from the fire, Jesus was suffering one of his many unjust trials. So here's the picture the gospel writers want you to have in your mind, right? Jesus tells Peter, you're not going to deny me. And Peter says, no, no, I'm, what, I'm, I'm, I'm your best follower, right? You can count on me. I'm reliable. I'm dependable, right? We say that to people. We have said that to people in the midst of this pandemic. You can count on me, but Peter denies Jesus. Peter is ashamed to be associated with Jesus. And the text reads, a little bit of background, is that the second Peter yells at the third person, I don't know the man, I don't know what you're talking about, never seen the guy, I'm not associated with him. The second he denies Christ three times, Jesus is on trial, but yet close enough, right? Think of outdoors, these weren't like brick and mortar walls. Jesus was close enough to audibly hear Peter deny him. Think about that. Jesus is on trial for saying things like, I'm God and I can forgive the sins of the world. And Jesus, one of his close buddies, or Peter, one of Jesus' close buddies, his disciples, says, I don't, I don't, I don't know who you're talking about. I don't want to be associated with Jesus. Isn't that our story in suffering? Isn't that our story, right? Like one of the uh, hymns or songs that, that we have sung before is, um, the lyric is, my heart is prone to wonder. We're prone to leave the God we love. Why? Because we're looking for anything that's a quick fix. We're looking for anything that's not hard. We're looking for anything that's easy. We're looking for anything that will provide us relief on a dime. Doesn't matter if it's illegal, if it's sinful, if it's hurtful, if it's harmful, if it's relief, we go for it. And if Peter can get these people off of his back by simply denying Jesus, he'll do it. But what is Jesus after in our suffering? He's after our hearts. And what do we sing from every Sunday when we gather, whether it's digitally or in person? 
We don't sing from our vocal cords. We sing from our hearts. And the reason why our worship needs to be refined in the midst of this pandemic is because this is an all-out assault and war on your heart. This season of suffering is an all-out war on your emotions and your affections towards Jesus. Do you want to give them over to him? Or are you just like Peter? Like, just, I don't, it's too hard. I don't want to be associated with Jesus anymore. But friends, let me encourage you. (laughs) Jesus wants your worship. Because what's tied to your worship is your heart. And what's tied to your heart is who and what and how you claim Jesus to be. You see, part of the how and the suffering is that it's for our maturity and it's also for our worship. And so my hope, my dream is that whenever we're allowed to assemble again, that RCC will be some of the loudest, most off-key worship singers that's ever hit New England. Why? Do we care about pitch and tone? Nope. But we care about Christology. We care about who we sing Jesus to be, who we believe Jesus to be. And if we're not careful and we're not leaning into our journey with Jesus, even in this season, our song will grow faint. And our hearts and our trust will wander away from our God. Here's the third and final thing that our living hope is doing to us and for us in suffering. It's refining our trust. In 1 Peter 4, 17 through 19, Peter writes, It is for judgment to begin with God's household. And if it begins with us, Christians, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to the faithful creator and continue to do good. Here's what I want to share with you in the remaining time that I have. I love the phrase that Peter uses to describe God. He calls God a faithful creator. To my knowledge, this is the only time in the New Testament, definitely the only time Peter uses the words faithful creator. What Why does Peter use those words? He's drawing us back to his opening letter in 1 Peter 1, 2. You have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. What Peter is doing by telling us that God is our faithful creator, he's reminding us that he chose us before the creation of the world. And his faithfulness towards us, his hesed love, his covenantal love for us has not run out. That God is still safe, even in the midst of suffering, even in the midst of asking why, and we don't know what's going to happen or how this is going to play out. See, suffering refines or can refine, if we lean into it, our trust in our faithful God, that he has not given up on us.